0: Midwife calling. Hello, and welcome to Poplar Opinion, a Call the Midwife podcast. We are talking about every episode of Call the Midwife one by one without spoilers. I'm Jan Moffat.
1: I'm Dr. Paul Moffat. Not that kind of doctor.
0: And today is Season 3, Episode 6. And who wrote this episode, Paul?
1: This episode was written by Damien Whaling. This is his first episode of Call the Midwife. This is, by the way, only the fourth episode of the series written or co-written by a man.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: Three episodes, including this one, are, are... are written by a man, and one has a man as a co-writer.
0: So far, or over the course of the whole show? So far. Okay.
1: Uh, this episode was directed by China Moo Young. We saw her last in the previous episode, in, okay. season, in episode five of season three. And we'll see more of her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damien Whaling, by the way, we will see one more time. So this is his first episode, but it's not his last one. He writes two in the course of the whole show so far.
0: All right. Well, let's get into our recap of this episode. Mature Jenny narrates about the end of summer, while Patsy and Sister Winifred cycle the streets of Poplar. Patsy looks at a box of memories as Mature Jenny talks about secrets. The nuns and nurses gather to get ready for busy days ahead. Trixie chats with Reverend Tom about paint for the bus at the clinic, Patsy's bedside manner leaves something to be desired. Trixie meets Phoebe, a recent arrival from Northern Ireland, who is worried about her baby's movement. Patsy is given district nursing duties and is upset when she's not on midwifery. Phoebe and Declan Doyle feel the baby's kicks and discuss their elopement, both upset about the church. Patsy goes to see Morris Glennon, who is suffering from back pain and can't work. His daughter Jillian is helpful and wants to be a nurse. Let's start with the
1: voiceover. Mm
0: -hmm. It's all about
1: seasons. And like this episode takes place during the Harvest Festival. There's a motif throughout the Harvest Festival. What do you think? Is there like a thematic significance to the end of... uh, Summer, it's the beginning of winter, there's a time for all things. Because I don't immediately see why there's that emphasis in terms of the ideas of the episode. What about you?
0: I'm not sure either. I feel like maybe as we recap, it might come out a little bit more. It might be about, like, Harvest is an ending and a beginning, hmm. and I think there's some endings and beginnings in this with like the Northern Irish couple who've left their home. There's Patsy, who's kind of getting a new beginning in general. There's Mr. M- Mr. Glennon who kind of gets a new lease on life a little bit by the end. There's also this is our first episode with no Jenny at all. Mm-hmm. Last episode we saw a brief glimpse of her. This is the first one where Jenny is not in this episode, besides this little mature narration. And so we're getting a sense that time is passing. The Jenny is still there in her spirit because we have this narration that she's always been providing. But uh, there's something, I don't know, wintry about her not being there. Kind of hmm. that going into winter without this member of the group. yeah, I don't know, like, that doesn't make a lot of sense when I say it out loud, but I do feel (laughs) like there's something there.
1: Yeah, I like the idea that Harvest, that autumn is both beginning and ending, Mm -hmm. that like, and that's the emphasis of a harvest festival, right? It's the end of the growing season, but it's the beginning, like it's the harvest, so it's a time of kind of plenty and as you prepare for a time of barrenness
0: and sister evangelina says you know oh the dark months of winter and now everybody's (laughs) having their babies it's like it's harvest time for the midwives too they're like these women have all been getting pregnant (laughs) over the past seasons and now it's time to harvest all the new babies you know like that's
1: she comes in and says, I blame Christmas and the long winter nights. And they all look at her like, what? And she's like, all the babies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Nine months ago.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, she, that was funny. Yeah. And pretty spot on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense.
1: Um, you want to talk about Patsy?
0: Yeah. So we've met Patsy, well, before, but like basically next last week. But this is our episode to really get to know her. Mm-hmm. She has this moment of looking at this box at the beginning that, of course, will become significant later in the episode. But also, uh, we find out that she's really there to study midwifery. She's a nurse. We saw her on the men's ward. She's really there to uh, learn how to be a midwife. But since she kind of sucks at it, yeah. they putting her on other things.
1: Yeah, no, like, the, the two things she does, one is like, everybody get your baby, your children under control, and then get out! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, uh. And the other one, it's so, like, it's so, she does not know that she's said anything wrong, but how could she possibly not? That like, wow, this baby is, is so chubby and enormous, it's clear who he takes after. Yeah. Oh, Patsy. Thanks.
0: (laughs) She just kind of, she is uh, so uh, anti-Jenny. Yes. You know, like we have her coming in as kind of like our Jenny replacement, but she's really not. (laughs) Like Jenny would never say anything like that. Patsy is very, she's a little bit foot in her mouth, but she's also just like, matter of fact, no nonsense. She says what she thinks. Says what she yeah. thinks, but maybe too much says what she thinks. Sister For Sister Evangelina to admonish her for being insensitive, you know, says something. <laughs> the,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think it's good that it comes from Sister Evangelina, of all people, that, like, tone it down a little, Patsy.
0: Exactly. Exactly. She
1: has secrets and no manners. Yep. And we will see that those are connected to each other. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so we also meet our main mother of the episode is Phoebe Doyle, mm-hmm. who they have just uh, eloped to, from Northern Ireland mm-hmm. to Poplar.
1: Uh, I annoyed uh, Jan by repeating everything Phoebe said in a nor- in my attempt at a Northern Irish accent because I couldn't help it.
0: Because <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Every every
1: time she ended a line I like said the last two words she said to try them out in my mouth. Anyway, that's not relevant to the story. It's no. just
0: I think it's because we watched a lot of Dairy girls where of course they all are all Northern Irish and so then you hear a Northern Irish person and you're like, "Oh, Dairy girls." <laughs> I don't
1: know. It's, she has a lovely accent.
0: Oh yeah, I love it.
1: And she's actually they you say she's eloped, but they Eloped in the sense of ran away, but they 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 aren't uh, married. They
0: actually haven't gotten married yet.
1: So she's Phoebe Stocks, still legally. Mm -hmm. And her plot is, we don't really know it yet, Mm -hmm. uh, but we do know that, like, I don't know if we know that she's not, that they're not married yet. We do know that she's, like, has some kind of, what's your maiden name? Why do you need to know that? Like, is it in this section that we hear yet that they're not actually married Uh, yes, we do. Okay. And they're like, she's very anxious. She's very isolated. Mm -hmm. We've seen this kind of situation before where someone doesn't have anyone around. Um,
0: Yeah, Poplar is a place where people emigrate to. mm Mm-hmm. That's, it's, you know, it's the place where you, you don't have much money so you can live in Poplar. And so it's the place where there are all these families that have been there forever and they're all in each other's lives. But there's also this sense of like newcomers and that those things exist side by side. And there's a difficulty there because the newcomers have trouble getting to know anyone.
1: Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the other, there's a lot of plots. There's a lot of uh, pans in the fire or whatever you want to yeah. say in this episode, because we have, Patsy settling in. We ha- didn't haven't mentioned yet. Patsy and Maurice Glennon,
0: mm-hmm. her
1: patient. Don't talk about him for a sec.
0: Um. Well, we know that he's suffering from back pain, but uh, Trixie comes and visits him. His daughter Jillian wants to be a nurse, and so really wants to be helpful. And Trixie, I mean, and Patsy really likes that. She wants to help her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh. And then, of course, we'll see him more throughout the episode.
1: And the big tension that starts off his story is that he
0: needs to get back to work. He
1: needs to get back to work because yeah. they need money, but he can't get back to work because he's injured. And they're like, "Those nurses are making you stay in bed. They don't know you need to work." Is kind of the attitude that he and his wife have to each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Although his wife is more worried than he is, he is. Uh, he doesn't want his wife to work. Yes, part of the problem.
1: Yeah um so there's that plot there's Phoebe stocks who is uh Trixie's patient mm-hmm. and then the other big uh pan and, there are two other little plots yeah a bigger one and a littler one the bigger one is Patsy I mean the bigger one is Trixie and Tom yes so the nurses are trying to Trixie has a dream of like being with Rock Hudson on a Ship and it's so romantic and like barking up the wrong tree, but anyway. Um, and the interpretation of that dream is she needs some more social life, yeah. And so the nurses try to set her up with Tom Harwood, yeah. Uh, successfully, like they don't really set her up, they just like push her towards him, yeah.
0: Like, hey, go talk to him, and she does, and they flirt a little bit.
1: I like the moment where she's like, I don't think he's my type. And the other can't remember which of the other nun, other nurses, but they're like, "Oh, handsome's not her type."
0: Yeah. It's Cynthia and Patsy. Yes. Cynthia
1: and Patsy. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and they flirt and talk, and uh, he's trying to fix up a bus to help the boy Cub Scouts, mm-hmm. and Fred is trying to scam him into buying dodgy paint. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like the little exchange of, like, what color is it? Blue. Is it duck egg blue? Or is it, it just says blue on the can.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Didn't actually open it. It's just blue. <laughs> um,
1: and she advises Tom not to get involved with Fred's deals. Mm-hmm. And it's, all of that is not very substantial. I mean, it uh, it's fairly light, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're flirting. They're maybe going to go out. He asks her out and they're going to go watch cricket together. Mm-hmm. Um, There's, I was going to say one more plot. There's two more minor plots in this episode. Yes. One very minor one, which is he's also preparing for the harvest festival. Mm-hmm. And the n- midwives are preparing for the harvest festival. And we have Sister Winifred.
0: Yeah, making your sheaf loaf.
1: Trying to make a sheaf loaf. That's the entire, like, that's just the plot. She's trying to make a sheaf loaf, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll come back to it, because why is that here?
0: Mm, yes, that's something to think about. Um, let me get into the next part of the recap, because that brings up yet another plot point. Okay, go. Which is, Fred and Sister Monica Joan discuss the stars, and he accidentally insults her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trixie and Tom discuss the Harvest Festival and he invites her to go to a cricket match with him. So that's him asking her out. Sister Winifred frets over a sheaf loaf for the festival while G- Jillian prepares a meager feast for her father. Mr. Glennon tries to go to work, but Patsy finds him with a fever and ca- who calls for the doctor and makes him stay in bed. Trixie visits Phoebe to bring the delivery pack and finds Phoebe and Declan arguing about a church wedding. Later... Phoebe tells her that they are Catholic and Protestant. Fred finds an old telescope and fixes it up for Sister Monica Joan. Timothy heads off on a cub trip with his new friend Colin. Tom picks up Trixie for their date, but it's now accompanied by a troop of cubs who missed their zoo trip. On the trip, Colin vomits and the bus breaks down. Trixie is helpful, but obviously disappointed. Phoebe goes to a mothercraft class, and Declan picks her up with flowers. They go to the courthouse and get married right away. Sheila meets Colin's mom and finds out Colin's adopted, putting the idea in her mind of adoption, which is yet another plot. <laughs> yeah,
1: so the plot. Sorry, I keep jumping ahead, it's okay. uh, but the plot that you said the other minor plot here is. Fred and Sister Monica Joan and space and the telescope. Mm -hmm. What's going on with all that? Yeah, well... He uh, says something about, like, she has this globe of the sky, and he says old instruments may be obsolete, and she...
0: (laughs) She, of course, takes that very personally, (laughs) which Fred should know better, but does not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then he finds a telescope and polishes it all up and gives it to her. And this is a minor plot running through the whole episode, is Mm -hmm. that, like... Space.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Sister Monica Joan's interested in space and Fred is trying to be nice to Sister Monica Joan and yeah. so pretend. is. I feel like like Fred is interested in space a little, but is mostly just trying to be nice to Sister Monica Joan about it.
0: <laughs> it's also one of these plots they sprinkle in throughout this show of um, placing it in history. And so this is, there's a newspaper article with pictures of the Earth from space. And that's a big deal. And that places, you know, where we are exactly in history, that this kind of thing is happening. And Sister Monica Joan is disturbed by these changes in science. And that's something that someone in the 50s might be disturbed by. That's something that someone right now might be. It's a, you know, universal thing of getting older, being like, Everything is changing.
1: And the idea that Fred says about her uh, globe of the heavens, which, by the way, is a beautiful instrument. I would love it. I
0: would love one of those so Uh, much.
1: But that, like, oh, we've updated, now we know things, and that must be obsolete. And she partly takes it personally as, like, he's implying that she's obsolete, but there's also a sense of, like, what I know about the world is wrong, you're saying? Mm, That, like... Science of the stars, science of space is like making invalid what Sister Monica Joan thinks she knows about herself and her place in the world and her place in the universe. Mm-hmm. Or she's anxious that it's going to. Yeah. At the absolutely. Front half of this little plot. Mm-hmm. And it's connected, I think. I'm like, I, I, until I started talking, didn't have an idea, but I'm starting to think that, like, the sheaf loaf. Why does Sister Winifred need to make a sheaf loaf? She can't make it. They're hard to make. A pe- I've, I've never made a sheaf loaf. I've never even seen one in real life. But it's like woven bread in the shape of a sheaf of wheat, right?
0: It's so it's a challenge on <laughs> Great British Bake Off. Like, I mean, it's not literally, but like that is exactly a challenge that would happen on Great British Bake Off. It's like, make a sheaf loaf. And you're like, oh, I've never heard of one, but I'm sure it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but it for Sister Winifred is like, You can't have a harvest festival without a sheaf loaf, And that is symbolic of tradition and the past. Mm -hmm. And so these two minor plots of Sister Monica Joan worrying about the future making her invalid and Sister Winifred worrying about trying to be able to connect to tradition and the past. And both of them are kind of failing. Sister Monica Joan's kind of failing to connect to the future and Sister Winifred's kind of failing to connect to the past.
0: And... uh... If we're talking about tradition and breaking from it, that goes into Declan and Phoebe and how they have been raised that Catholics and Protestants don't get together, and yet they are, and they're bucking against this uh, century's tradition and uh, finding it difficult
1: So their story, like you said it in the recap, but there, she is Protestant and he is Catholic and Mm -hmm. they grew up across the street from each other in Belfast and fell in love and she got pregnant and they ran away together and they want to get married, but neither church will marry them Yeah, because the Protestant church won't marry her to a Catholic and the Catholic church won't marry him to a Protestant. Mm -hmm. And so they want, especially she, want a church wedding. And their their fight is about. He says, "Let's just go to a justice of the peace and get married and get it done with." But she wants a church wedding,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he's like, "Well, it's not my, it's not our fault that the church won't marry us. Yeah, neither exactly. of our churches will marry us. Mm-hmm. We hints later, but we can kind of figure it out immediately. He could get married in a Protestant church if he converted, and he's not willing to.
0: Yeah." And it feels like he's not willing to necessarily because he's a staunch Catholic. He's not willing to because he doesn't like the church at all. Yeah. And so either way would be compromising his values. Yeah. He says later in the episode, he says, you know, I wish they would shut all the churches down and turn them into bingo halls or something useful. So he's very anti-religion at this point.
1: Although you noticed something about their room.
0: I did. I did. That they have very few belongings, but they do have a crucifix over the bed.
1: And it's interesting that it's a crucifix, not a cross.
0: Yes, but the nuns and nurses have crucifixes over their bed as well. They're not crosses, they're crucifixes. So despite generally crucifixes being Catholic and crosses being Protestant... I think that yeah,
1: high high Anglicans would 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 be very happy with with crucifixes. If you don't know,
0: by the way, what the difference is between a crucifix and a cross, crucifixes have uh, the body of Jesus on them, so you'd see those uh, a lot often in Catholic churches. They're a cross with something on it, whereas Protestant and evangelical churches tend to have will not have that. We'll just have a plain cross. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of reasons behind that that we don't need to really get into in this Do we podcast. not? I love getting into things.
1: Okay, fine. Yeah, that's a
0: tangent that <laughs> we got into that. But hey, hit us up on social media if you want to hear Paul talk for three hours on.
1: I talk a lot about it in my <laughs> course on Dracula mm, yes. that you could take. You could look me up and find out about that. But Clock it's Works. relevant in Dracula.
0: Clockworksacademy.com.
1: But the point is. Is, though, it's again about, like, tradition and connecting Mm -hmm. to the past and connecting to the future and bridging the, like, the traditional... not And there's some conversation through the whole episode, like, Trixie specifically Mm -hmm. says, like, I don't really get the Protestant-Catholic thing. Like, they all go to church.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Worship, worship, the same God.
1: And I think in the context of the chief loaf and the satellite, it's like we're torn between... The past, the tradition, the the animosity between them is traditional
0: mm-hmm.
1: rather than anything else, right? Yeah. Like, and the future, symbolized by their baby, symbolized by them together, but specifically by a baby, you know. Mm-hmm. And she's worried about the baby's health, even though there's not, like, all the nurses and midwives and uh, off-screen doctor are like, your baby's fine.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) But she's like worried it's not moving, worried that it's Mm -hmm. because this baby symbolizes the future that is uncertain and the past is full of strife.
0: Mm -hmm. So let's move on to Tom and Trixie. Let's
1: move on to Tom and Trixie. So
0: (laughs) Tom invites Trixie to go to a cricket match and Trixie, of course, is like, I need to know, you know, she has no idea what a tr- cricket match is, but she, you know, does some research and wears her proper outfit for it. All white, of course.
1: <laughs> yep. She imagines brushing shoulders with the great and the good at a, tr- at a cricket match.
0: Yep. And, uh, but when they arrive to go, Tom has uh decided to take the entire Cub Scout troop with them. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and... It's not like, I mean, he knows that he's kind of ruined their date. He's not, Tom isn't an idiot, yeah. you know, in all of this. This isn't like Trixie thought this was going to be a date and Tom didn't. It's very much Tom has a big heart. And so he found out that the Cubs couldn't go on their trip. And he was like, well, I just so happened to be going to a cricket match. We,
1: we couldn't just, give them nothing. We couldn't
0: give them nothing. Let's just bring them along. Yeah. And this is also... He's a bit of an idiot, but also like... He's a bit of like, an idiot in the like... He doesn't realize what it takes to lead these cubs. Also, where there's no other chaperones. (laughs) In my
1: memory, like I remembered this episode, and in Mm -hmm. my memory, Trixie misunderstood the situation. But in fact, it's not at all that. The situation suddenly changes at the last minute, and it was supposed to be a date. Uh, But just, yeah, they're so... It does not turn out at all what they what she imagined, presumably what he imagined, though she's much more upset about it than he is. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Or at least shows being upset more.
0: Yes, exactly. And I mean, I love Trixie for this juxtaposition. She's in her heels and her whites and very uh, prim in this moment. But Colin throws up and Timothy immediately is like, Nurse Trixie? help us out and of course she goes into nurse mode of course she helps out this sick kid because she's still a nurse she's she's used to dealing with throw up she's not like this prissy woman who would be like i don't know how to deal with that she's also like
1: yeah it's a good as you say juxtaposition because she's not happy about it
0: she's though. not happy about it it's her day off i mean yeah. she would i would hope you didn't have to deal with throw up on your day off but sometimes you do And then, of course, the bus breaks down, just to to add insult to injury.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The bus breaks down was, like, a little much. And then they end up listening to the cricket match on the radio. We haven't got there yet.
0: Yeah. No, that that is... Oh, we have.
1: Yeah. (sighs) I've trouble keeping track of where the recaps start and end. That's okay. And the the boy who throws up is Colin, Mm -hmm. who's new and is Timothy's friend.
0: Yeah.
1: And we... I mean, are we done with Tom and Trixie? Oh, yeah. yeah. So Colin uh, is important because as like a plot motivator because he throws up and etc. But he uh, is Timothy's new friend and Timothy's mother comes over and oh, he's feeling better. And that's when they talk about Colin's mother says that Colin is adopted. And you can see even in that moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it comes up soon. But in that very moment, you see in Sheila's face, like, oh, that's a thing. Yeah,
0: which I feel like is a bit odd. I've always, like, Sheila's a smart person. She's dealt with this babies being adopted before.
1: I don't know, though, because.
0: But I guess thinking of it for herself. Yeah,
1: she's aware of adoption, but like actually seeing someone who's son is her son's age Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and being like, oh, you know, like I I can totally see it putting adoption in a different framework for her Mm -hmm. instead of something that is theoretically exists, something that's like a real practical immediate possibility. Yeah. Right.
0: right. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I totally buy that. It shifts how she thinks of adoption as Mm -hmm. like, I could actually do this. Mm -hmm. Because we've seen, I mean, it's been a plot that Sheila uh, wants a new baby, a new child, but uh, doesn't believe that she's biologically capable. Yeah. And that's been a little sadness for her. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So moving on. Trixie visits Phoebe, who tells her that they have gotten married, and thanks. and Declan thanks her for her help. Gillian runs for Patsy when Mr. Glennon takes a turn for the worse. Patsy finds out that he was in a prisoner of war camp, and tells Dr. Turner to check for a tropical disease. He finds that it's a parasite, and Mr. Glennon is taken to the hospital. Fred tries to show Sister Monica Joan about the pictures of the Earth from space, and she is offended. Sheila and Dr. Turner discuss adoption and decide to apply after talking about it with Timothy. Patsy is upset about Mr. Glennon and confesses to Trixie that she spent years in a prisoner of war camp as a child, and her mother and sister died there. Trixie says the wrong thing and Patsy gets angry. In the morning she sneaks out before anyone is awake, leaving everyone scrambling to cover her. Trixie tells the nuns about her history and they begin to search for her.
1: The let's talk about Patsy first.
0: Let's talk about Patsy
1: her I mean we saw at the beginning of the episode that she has some secret. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we see that she has a secret and learn what it is in the same episode. Me too. I'm glad they didn't drag that out. yeah, me too. I have a few thoughts about trick about Patsy, and I'm kind of starting at the end of them, but like her fight with Trixie mm-hmm. comes back to her like poor bedside manner and her and mm. she's like I went through all this it was traumatic Trixie says well buck up and get over it basically yeah. <laughs> uh you can't let it affect your work and Patsy's like why Why not why yeah. can't I let it affect my work it affects everything which is a extremely fair point mm-hmm and then she says, what's important when I, in where I grew up, what's important wasn't, was what we did, not some big show of emotion. And that's like her guiding philosophy of nursing, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, who cares if I'm like, insult your kid, I'm going to take good care of you and your baby. I'm going to make sure that you're healthy. Yeah. And that we've seen through the whole show a attitude that uh, care is not just care for the body. Mm-hmm. But we have here like a different perspective on that, that what matters isn't how what you show about your feelings. It's what you do. Right. It's a different, we might say, but what you need to do is care for the feelings of your patients. Yeah. And that's the answer. But it's like, She's, yeah, her whole personality in a perspective, not just that she had this trauma in her childhood. She went into a prisoner of war camp when she was nine, she says. Yeah. Until we don't know. Yeah. uh, For years in Singapore. Um, But I like that we're kind of, really connecting that to how she behaves right now and specifically that it's about like all that matters is what i do Mm -hmm. (laughs) right
0: yeah but this is what midwifery will teach her Mm -hmm. is that you know she might have been able to work in the men's ward and not and be like a gruff nurse, but working in midwifery, you have to take into emo- account the emotions of your pa- the patients. Mm-hmm. Even though you have to take them into account. Anyway. Anyway, but that's a whole other thing.
1: But it's what she's uh, struggling with.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: And she has that conversation with when she, like her experience in a prisoner of war camp is what gives her the perspective to diagnose or... Not actually diagnose, but to uh, uh, direct the path of diagnosis for Mr. Glennon.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: He's like hurt his back and they were giving him steroids and he says the pills just make me worse. And, and it was true. It was true. And what we see of him in this section is like he's sickly and sweating and has a fever and like he is not showing symptoms of a hurt back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? But yeah,
0: and it turns out the steroid injections st- gave steroids to the parasite that had been living inside of him,
1: yeah, and so specifically the steroid injections caused the parasite to grow, which is causing his current sickness, and no one would have caught it if Patsy hadn't connected the dots between mm-hmm. his rash on his the scars on his legs that are caused by being treated by doctors who didn't have the equipment, and she recognizes that hmm. I like to, in their conversation, Mr. Glennon hasn't told... We find out that he hasn't told anyone about his time in a prisoner of war camp. He hasn't told his wife or daughter. They don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And she says, your, your reaction is just to pretend never, none of it ever happened. And we have an idea in, in Patsy's whole plot of, like, secrets, right? She starts yeah. with a secret. She sees Mr. Glennon is keeping his past a secret, she ends up telling Trixie, who then tells everyone. Yeah. And you haven't recapped this yet, but when she comes back later, she's not upset that Trixie has told everyone. She's mm-hmm. like, eh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think that uh, she's upset with Mr. Glennon for keeping it a secret at the same time as she's keeping it a secret, at yeah. the same time as she's like... uh how much do I tell, and when, and to who, and why, and what? hmm I really like, Mr. Glennon gives, she says, you didn't tell anyone. And he says, when I was a child, whenever there was a thunderstorm, my mother would open the front door and the back door.
0: <laughs> so that everything would pass through.
1: So that it would pass through. The thunder would go out the back door again. He says, don't let your misfortunes find a home.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I really like that idea Yeah, as far as it goes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because we also see at the same time as we see that that's something that helps Patsy, uh, it also, like the effects of his misfortunes did have a home in him. Yeah. Like literally his, a parasite, literally literally his misfortunes found a home in him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he's trying to let them pass through without staying and he's unsuccessful.
0: Mm -hmm. There's this little moment that I really liked of Patsy does have trouble with bedside manner, but she still has moments of being quite good at it. Like when she's asking uh, Mr. Glennon, did you fight in the far East? And he kind of hesitates and just a fraction of a moment, his eyes go to his daughter And Patsy is smart enough to catch that and say, Jillian, you know, go put on a pot of tea for us. And then she's able to ask him, say, though you were in a prisoner of war camp. She's, she's, uh, perceptive enough not to like be stupid. She's Mm -hmm. just gruff. And I, I just, I really like that moment of like, it's very subtle acting. Of, he just glances he just at Jillian. Kind of glances at Jillian, and and Jillian even kind of picks up on it. You see her kind of pick up on it, but know that she needs to listen. Mm-hmm. I love Jillian. In yeah. this episode. she's uh, she wants to be a nurse, and and Patsy because of her past as uh, helping out in this prisoner of war camp hospital sort of place. Uh, that's why she became a nurse and so she sees Jillian as like Jillian's wanting to be a nurse I need to encourage her and eventually she gives her like a little nursing hat and it's very sweet yeah I wish that Jillian came back or maybe I hope in the future she might come back that would be a really cool thing for this show to do is to have Jillian appear (laughs) as a nurse in the future spoiler just putting that out there
1: Spoiler that she oh, spoiler doesn't. Oh, spoiler
0: that she doesn't, I guess. I don't know. It's not that big of a spoiler. I,
1: as, of, as of the time we're recording this, Jillian has, does not return as a nurse. I'm
0: trying to think. I'm trying to, like, calculate the years and be like, wait, okay, this was 1951, because The current season is in 1960 And <laughs> how old would she be? <laughs> it could still happen. Uh, should we go back to Sheila and Dr. Turner? Yeah. Just, uh... just um when she brings up adoption to to dr turner he is immediately on board and i like that i don't know some shows some people in real life too are like the woman really wants to have a baby she really wants to have a child especially in this like it's a second marriage timothy is her child but not her child uh i
1: love interrupt just for a sec to say when she is thinking about adoption she's like if i talking to uh patrick about adoption she's like if i thought that i could only love a baby that grew in my body i would have learned nothing from loving timothy exactly oh i love that moment carry on
0: no i was gonna say that uh patrick is also very enthusiastic and he's like i want a child just as much as you like i'm he's disappointed that they're not having a child and he doesn't want to, like, he's clearly, like, very excited about this prospect because he hasn't been able to express his disappointment because his disappointment is in her body. Yeah, I like so, that subtle, like, yeah. that's
1: all subtext, but I I love mm. it that he, exactly, like, a, a so worn trope would be like, I had my kids, I'm done having kids. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then maybe she persuades him eventually. But she's like, maybe, Patrick, adoption. And he's like, yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah, and like, he's like, like, I have so no idea what this
0: is like from the parent side. Like, he's seen it, of course, from the doctor's side, but... He's like, I don't know how this works, but let's figure it out. I love that scene because she's
1: just starting to broach the topic and he's just like, yes, yes, let's do it. Mm. (laughs) And then I really, really love what you said that one that I hadn't quite clued into that I'm going to say again so that we say it out loud lots. That the reason that he's so immediately enthusiastic is because he has been more disappointed than he's been able to show. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I like that a lot. Yeah. Because he can't be like,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we can't have a baby because you're no good. Like, he, he would, that would be awful.
0: Yeah, exactly. So Cynthia and Trixie go deliver Phoebe's baby, who is a boy, but he struggles to breathe. And Declan runs for Reverend Tom, who arrives and christens him before the baby is rushed to hospital. The nuns and nurses sit and worry about Patsy, and she arrives, having spent the whole day going to Liverpool to get special medicine for Mr. Glennon. Later, Dr. Turner is unimpressed at the forms for adoption, but Sheila puts her foot down. (laughs) Tom and Trixie walk home together, getting a new start on their friendship. Or more. (laughs) (laughs) Patsy brings a harvest festival hamper for Mr. Glennon to see that he's recovering And they discuss both of their times in the Prisoner of War camps. Mature Jenny narrates about shaking off the pain of history and opening up hearts to forgiveness while we see Declan and Phoebe with their healthy baby and Sister Winifred's harvest loaf.
1: So the moment the, like, the baby, every episode, the baby is like an emotional heart of every episode. And it was again...
0: And this is very much the climax to Declan and Phoebe's story. Yeah. He
1: struggles to breathe. There's a... We have seen babies that have problems as soon as they're born often before. Mm -hmm. This was different because we didn't focus on the midwives.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: We all every... I mean, I'd have to check, but in my memory... Every time there's a problem, we're like with the midwives and they're like whispering off on a corner and we're with them in their whispering. Mm. And the mother is over somewhere else being like, what's wrong with my baby? And they're like talking to each other and the mother is outside the frame and the midwives and baby are all in the frame. Mm -hmm. And this time we stayed with uh, Phoebe. Phoebe yeah. and Trixie was like off and she was whispering to Cynthia and we didn't quite hear what she was saying. I mean, mm-hmm. if you listened very carefully, you could. But the camera stayed on Phoebe.
0: Mm-hmm. We were
1: outside of that. There's some problem with the baby. Yeah. That was an interesting choice. And I really liked it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I didn't like it. No. <laughs> but yeah. I really thought it was like good filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Because we haven't experienced that as the audience before. That like, take the baby away. And... Yeah. I'm like, what is going on? Uh I I was not, I mean, this is a show where sometimes babies aren't okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was not very worried for uh, baby Doyle's health. Mm -hmm. But I was deeply moved by Declan running off to get the priest.
0: Yeah, that was amazing. That was very, I mean... That's this story, is he realizes this is what his wife needs, even if he doesn't believe it. He needs to run and get yeah. a priest to baptize their baby just in case.
1: And like, sometimes it's an interesting, maybe it was just my reaction. So when you get like a priest coming in to christen a baby at the last moment, that can be, or like, urgently, not the last moment, that can be very like, this baby is going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh I didn't really feel that about this scene. I didn't yeah. feel like this was a scene where the priest running in to christen him was a sign of his uh, how serious the danger was. It was a sign of how Declan recognized how important Phoebe's emotions and faith were. Yeah. Right?
0: Absolutely. Like I think the the level of stress of the midwives they were stressed, but they weren't like call the flying squad, let's get this baby out of here. Yeah. They were more like, he's struggling and we should take him to the hospital. So, but to a brand new mother, she is terrified. Something is wrong with my baby. He could, you know, this is not routine for her, where it is for like the midwives and frankly us watching it.
1: Yeah, maybe that's why I wasn't really worried about his health because Trixie and Cynthia were... You know, they were concerned and taking action, but we've seen them like panicking
0: mm-hmm. or not
1: panicking, but we've seen them very urgent
0: Yeah, and exactly. they were not really there. Mm-hmm.
1: But the camera stayed with her. And then like this moment of they fought over, I, I just, as soon as he ran away, she was like, I'm worried because I'm worried for his soul.
0: I'm afeared for his soul. I'm afeared
1: for his soul. And Declan runs away. And like, I knew immediately where he was running for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that like. It's beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. Yeah.
0: And I like, to Tom and Trixie walking away after all this has happened. And Tom is curious about, like, you know, what will happen to the baby? Why Why would it not be able to breathe? Why, you know, he's interested in yeah. Trixie's life as a midwife as well as a person. I, I quite enjoy that. And uh, They kind of start over for their... Relationship.
1: Yeah, she His says grace. the baby, once it can breathe, the heart can heal on its own. And mm-hmm. he's like, what about grown-ups? Yeah, exactly.
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> Which is maybe a little overwrought for like, we went on one bad date, but like, still. Yeah. Can we, can our hearts who, heal on their own?
0: Who wouldn't be smitten with Trixie the second they meet her? <laughs> and frankly, who wouldn't be smitten with Tom?
1: I know, they're both, he's, he's adorable. adorable. <laughs>
0: They're married in real life, which also makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Patsy comes back. They've okay. all, like, they don't know if she's left, mid like, Nanata's house for good. They have no idea where she's been. Uh, Sister Evangelina is ready to, like, wring her neck. Because they're already short-staffed. But she comes back, having gone to Liverpool to get medicine.
1: Yeah. And She's like I went here because there was a hospital and then I found out about this doctor and I went there and then the medicine was somewhere else and I went there and I brought it home like because there's a postal strike yes is another little thing thing. so that she couldn't have gotten the medicine by post Mm -hmm. So she goes in herself to Liverpool to get the medicine and back again
0: Liverpool is a long way from London especially in the 50s.
1: And it's back with what she said to Trixie, like, the big show of emotion isn't important, and what's important is what you do.
0: Mm-hmm. And, like, exactly. telling
1: Mr. Glennon, I'm so sad and sorry for him, uh, that's not what I need to do. hmm That's not what's needed. I'm going to get him the medicine. hmm We see her putting that in practice.
0: Yeah. I kind of would have loved to see like a B-side of this episode where we get Patsy's little adventure to go do this. (laughs) I would love to have seen her go go into that hospital and go up to that doctor and be like, you give me what I need right now? (laughs) Yeah, I am not, you know, she's not this, she wouldn't take no for an answer. And that would have been fun to see. But it's also just like, you can imagine it, so you don't necessarily need to see it. (laughs) Yes.
1: It was really good, though.
0: Yeah, so I think that's basically it for this episode. Uh, Sister Winifred succeeds at making her she-floaf.
1: Because the past is redeemed. Because uh, she's able... And Sister Monica Joan says that... We don't really see why. Mm-hmm. But she says, Fred is afraid that he's hurt He's hurt you. And Sister Monica Joan says, Fred uh, thinks... That not what does she say, Fred thinks that the mysteries of the heavens are fragile. Hmm. Fred's under the mistaken impression that the mysteries of the heavens are fragile. Science is not the enemy. Mhm And I love that, like what she specifically didn't want about the picture of the Earth from space was that it would destroy the mysteries. Yeah. You know, like she's obviously transparently, she's projecting. Yeah, uh, Fred doesn't care about the mysteries of the heavens being yeah. fragile, but she realizes some somewhere off screen or in between scenes or something. She realizes that the mysteries aren't fragile,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's what kind of reconciles her to knowledge about the future, about science. That like science doesn't erase the mysteries of the universe. And the sheaf loaf is makeable. And the mm. past and the future both find a home at their table. Yep. Yeah. And the Declans are married and happy, and their baby is healthy. Yep. Yeah. Like, it's all woven together like a sheaf loaf.
0: Woven together <laughs> like a sheaf loaf. Wow. What was your favorite part of this episode?
1: My favorite part. Was the Declan running off for a priest? Declan running off for Tom? Yeah. How about you? What was your favorite part? I
0: mean, it was that <laughs> the actual like christening. I think was my favorite. Yeah. Uh, but also Tom and Trixie, just like their whole plot of getting together, makes me <laughs> I am uh, stupid romantic. So. Ah. <laughs> well, uh, that. Brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, if you like us, tell a friend. You can support us in a few different ways. One of which is to just follow us on Twitter, at Poplar Opinion. You can uh, support us by leaving a rating or review through your podcast, Catcher of Choice. Usually Apple Podcasts, whatever. Because uh, that'll help you other can, people find it. that'll help other people find it. You can... Uh, Also support us financially on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast, where you can support us monthly to help our podcast do better and and hopefully give us a little more motivation to do more of these. (laughs) Lastly, if you have anything you want to say to us about this episode or any episode of Call the Midwife, uh, you can email us poplaropinion at clockworksacademy.com you can send us a message on uh, Twitter, on... Uh, that's about it. Twitter and email, right? Do yep. you have anything else? <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah that's good. Maybe Facebook. Um, and I've been kind of on the Reddit for... Call the Midwife lately. If anyone else is hanging out there, let me know. Thanks for listening. I'm Jan Moffat.
1: I'm Paul Moffat.
0: And that's just my popular opinion.